All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck Tuckians? What the fuckinistas? What's happening? Mark Marin here. This is my podcast, WTF. Oh, man, is it going to be a lispy day? What's wrong with my mouth day? Happens sometimes. How's it going? I'm sorry. Did I make it about me for a second more than I usually do? Nice to uh, nice to be here. Nice to talk to you. Lots happened since I've last uh, spoken to you. What day is today? Thursday? It's Thursday. So I went to the Emmys on Monday. I haven't talked to you since Monday. And that afternoon, I went to the Emmy Awards for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, I went to the Emmys and I was on a nominated show uh, for Best Comedy, Glow, and we lost. But hey, even though we lost, aren't we all just losers? Is that the right? That's not it, isn't it? Even though, isn't it? Even though we didn't win, aren't we all winners anyways? I, I like it my way. Hey, even though we lost, aren't we all losers? I think that's equally as uh, inspiring. Hey, sure, we lost, but we're all losers. That I think that, you know, let's, you know, ultimately, most of the time that turns out to be true. I would say proportionately to, hey, we didn't win, but we're all winners. How, how, you know, that is really non-objective stuff. So, you know, maybe this is too negative. I, I'll tell you about the Emmys. I'll talk to you about Slash, who is my guest today on the podcast, The Slash, from Guns N' Roses and from Slash's Snake Pit and from Velvet Revolver and from Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the uh, conspirators. But he's Slash, man. It's fucking Slash. And it's interesting because as much as I love Guns N' Roses and some of Slash's solo work, I don't know that I identified him as thoroughly as I did the other night. After I talked to him, I went to the Whiskey to see Slash and Miles Kennedy and the conspirators. Now, do I want to tell you about this? Let's let, let's ease into this. Uh, it, it, it was it was revelatory. I'll tell you how revelatory seeing Slash and Miles Kennedy and the conspirators at the Whiskey, which seats like twelve people. Um, I'll tell you how revelatory it was. I stayed for the entire fucking show. I didn't even stay for the whole Emmys. Yeah, that's right. I mean, those of you who have watched my special Too Real available on Netflix now, and you know my bit about the Stones concert, I don't stay for shit because the idea of waiting for my car or getting to my car or waiting to get out of a situation in my car will almost preclude me, is that the word, from staying till the end of anything, especially when you know it's going to end, especially if it's another song or especially if you, you've already lost everything you stood to lose because hey we're all losers i told you i guess about a week ago that la fonda had a growth on her mouth and uh me and sarah the painter kind of put our minds together we yeah i had the box already i put a towel in the box i had it open for the for that you know seizing that moment of getting that little fist of feline fury into the box to take her to the vet and, you know, Sarah said, I don't think you should take her. I'm like, oh, well, it's a little like nodule there. It's a little thing on her lip. But she had gotten zits there before. And then I looked up cat zits and mouth cat zits and then mouth cancer. And I and I decided, well, she decided 
that maybe you should just wait it out because she's had stuff there before. Cats get zits on their face. So I waited it out, and it looks like it's getting better. So as it stands now, Monkey and LaFonda, 14-plus years old, holding strong, lean, energetic. Buster, the kitten, couple years old almost, out of his fucking mind. It's like this house that I'm living in now, there's uh, two floors, it's old, it's wooden, there's not a lot of rugs, and it feels like a fucking rodeo in the morning because he's figured out this route for himself from the uh, end of the hall upstairs, and he runs all the way down the hall, down the stairs, where he jumps about three or four stairs and plunks down onto the floor, runs into the living room, does some business in there, flips around, comes running back up the stairs. This can go on at two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. Active little fuck, not a lot of love for him in those moments, but doing well and learning to take affection. He's resistant and he's peculiar and he's awkward when you pet him. He's one of the only cats I know that really likes to be pet like a dog, scratched on the back, on the stomach, and then you got to kind of really get him to not squirm out of it. In other words, emotionally, he's exactly like me. So I wanted to read this. Now that we're in cat zone, I wanted to read this because there's not so much uh, hopeful, happy stories in the world. And this one, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it. All right, because we're all losers and I'm not going to spoil it, but I want to read it to you now that we're in the cat zone. Subject line, Kipling Lives. My boyfriend Adam is a massive fan of this podcast. I'd never heard of Marin before I met him and am now a convert. Recently, his Siamese, Kipling, went missing on a canoe trip. I have to interject here. Who the fuck takes their cat on a canoe trip? I can bear, I wouldn't even let my cat outside. All right, I know there are special animals. Mine are special in their own way. Apparently, Kipling can be on a canoe. So... Back to the story. After the canoe capsized, we tipped. Adam grabbed the cat, and then the canoe hit Adam, and Kipling went under, and we didn't see him again. Terrible feeling. We searched for hours. This cat was always going hiking, camping, and swimming with us. We went back the next day trying to find his body or signs of him and didn't find anything. That's the worst, not knowing. We even got an amateur diver to help us search underwater for his remains. What, where do you, where'd you find that guy? Still, no kip. We took to social media and shared his story with everyone. There were hundreds of shares and likes and comments, and we even had coworkers. We worked for an animal hospital that took out search dogs to track him. We had no idea if he made it out of the river at this point. Adam was devastated. This cat was a spot of emotional stability for him. Sorry, Adam. I know the feeling, buddy. After 20 days, we got a call. Someone found him in a hayfield 10 miles away from where we lost him. He was 10 miles closer to home, actually. Somehow, this cat survived a rapid river and trekked 10 miles to find some humans to take him home. Hmm. God damn it, that's a good story. Anyway, we like to be super clever and yell, Kipling lives, and thought this story may be enjoyed by our favorite cat-enthused comedian. Thanks for the laughs, Jeffy and Adam. You're welcome. What a fucking great story. Cats, canoes, started out, I was judging you guys. I was judging you. Why are you bringing the cat out? What what are you doing with the cat out in those situations? But he's that kind of cat, and fuck, you you got him back. 
you know, it just doesn't happen that often. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for I'm happy for cat lovers everywhere right now. What a, you know, you hear the story about the cat that disappears for 10 years and comes back. I always I don't know. I always doubt those ones, but but this one sounds sounds legit and uh congratulations. You're you're a winner that day. Okay, so the Emmys. Let's go through it. I went through it. Why shouldn't I drag you through it? Uh so me, Sir the Painter, go to the Emmys. We get there. I had to go. We got a car at like 1.30 to get there at 2.30 so I could go walk the photo line. And she posed in a couple pictures with me, which we don't usually do. But it, it kind of paid off because we got one of the cutest couples uh, picture in People magazine. That's exciting. Got dressed up. She was dressed up. And, and then we got through the press line because we got there before almost anybody. And we were in an entirely empty Emmys theater watching them do final touches on the set and getting cameras straightened out and the ushers getting their their focus on for what was going to be a giant show business clusterfuck at, you know, an hour away. And then people started coming in and they started trickling in. And uh, I was sitting next to all the children. I was sitting in front of all the children from Stranger Things and two rows behind all the cats from uh, Silicon Valley. All of us losers. I, I don't know. I don't really know. I think we all won something. But uh, so it all started filling in and um, it was exciting to see. I like, uh, as you know, I enjoy running into celebrities. I like seeing people I've had on the show so I can say hi. I did see David Harbour. I went out of my way to go engage with David Harbour, who also lost. Uh, So after he lost, I made a point to go up to him and give him a hug and say, congratulations. He laughed and then he just lit me up, man. Like David Harbour is like a human energy generating system. He's like a battery, man. You just, you lock in, you, you stay open. Very exciting because I was starting to, I was starting to fade a little bit. We only brought a bag of almonds, which we had to spread out. I walked around a bit on a break, ran into John Oliver. We had a laugh about how uh, hopeless everything is and how uh, it's very hard providing hope because there isn't any but it's kind of our job to be as straightforward as possible with our helplessness and somehow make it painfully funny. And he won a goddamn Emmy for it. Congratulations, John. There are a few people in this business who I adore and I think are great. He's one of them. I was happy for him. So yeah, so I saw John Oliver. I talked to him a bit. And then, you know, I said hi to people yeah, here and there. It was exciting. You know, I, the, the kids from Stranger Things reminded me what it was like to be a kid for a second. Not quite a kid at the Emmys, but you know, that age. Michael and Colin did a great job. Uh, I think there was something odd about the pacing. Everything seemed to happen too fast, yet it was still long. I don't know how that happened, but the, the show itself was like they would you know, quickly announce and show pictures of the nominees. Then just someone would walk out, announce the winner. They would run up. They had like a second and they'd run off. And even when they went up to get it, they didn't sort of readdress with what the show was. I don't know how it looked at home, but it seemed like I noticed they were doing something to quicken the pace of the show. But somehow it sucked some of the humanity of it. But nonetheless, I thought the people that did the jobs did the jobs well. I got a couple of laughs and... Um, I stayed right up until after we lost. I somehow, Sarah and I left to get uh, uh, to go to the restroom. The one time we left in the nine-hour thing to go to the restroom was the segment where Mulaney won and the guy proposed. The one segment where something actually happened with an amazing dose of humanity, we missed. But we saw later on the internet because you can do that. Oh, the big news is, okay, and I don't know if you're, 
this is the weird thing. Out of everything that happened that night, I got to the Netflix party, and right when I walk in, I see Cat Williams carrying his Emmy with his little crew there. I walk up to him. I'm like, how you doing? He goes, Mark Marin, you're one of the guys I want to work with. I'm like, wow, no shit, Mr. Williams. I call him Mr. Williams. <laughs> he's like, yup. You just, I mean, I, you know, he's like, keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, will you come on the show sometime? He's like, anytime you're ready. And I'm like, okay. And then I walked away from that. And I'm like, I don't know how to get in touch with Cat Williams. And he's, I think he's tricky to get in touch with. I know he is. So I saw him again. And I said, how are we going to do this? He's like, well, let's just exchange numbers. I'm like, all right. So I pulled my phone out and then he sent a woman over to give me his number. So oddly, maybe not so much. That was a high point for me getting Cat Williams' phone number and knowing that that could happen, that I just have to text him. I, just, I guess I have to do it when I'm ready. I think that was the condition, and, I, and only I can decide that. So, Slash, wow, man. I, you know, I didn't know, like, I'm a pretty big Guns N' Roses fan, and uh, I like all their work, and I've always liked Slash. I like his whole presentation. But I've never seen Guns N' Roses live and I've listened to the records and I, you know, I could hear I'd like to in most of the records, you know, outside of the bigger riffs, I'd like to hear the leads up front a little more. Like I could not quite identify exactly from my history of listening to any of his stuff, like exactly the nature of his his style, you know, isolated as a fucking guitar player. I know he's great. I knew that from all the riffs and, you know, what I could hear. But and, you know, and I like him a lot. And, you know, he came, we had a great talk. And it's, it's sort of a little guitar nerdy, so prepare yourself. And I'm not even a full-on guitar nerd. I only know a few things. But I really like the guy. And, uh, and I love his music. So that's given. But I'd never seen him live. So they asked me if I want to go to the Whiskey, as I mentioned earlier. So I go to the Whiskey to see Slash and Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Miles Kennedy, great singer. He's done a few records, this new record, which is good. Uh, he did with Miles Kennedy singing in, the, in his band. And uh, I, I, got, I was real close to see Slash do his thing, man. And he came out, you know, with his top hat and his sunglasses and his Gibsons. But it was, it was great to see him play and just to hear him so isolated like that. I mean, Slash's job in this band is just, he's the lead guitar player. And he's like, you know, he's laying down the tunes. And you can hear he wrote some. And you can hear by him playing solo in a band that, you know, he's been with for a long time. Just how much of Guns N' Roses is him. His pace, his tone, his uh, his riffs. But they they didn't do, I think they only did one gun song. And as I found out when I talked to, to Slash, it was originally his song from way back. They did Rocket Queen which is one of my favorite fucking Guns N' Roses song. And I'm, he fucking did like a seven to 10 minute solo in the middle of this thing. And it was astounding. The way he plays lead, he holds, he, he sort of like, he, he slouches down a little bit and he almost literally sets the Les Paul on his knee to play it so the neck is almost next to his face. And he just is all in to those strings, man, and to, those, and to his fingers. And I'd never seen, like, there was so so much taste to it, so much style. You know, you know the blues were definitely there, and and all the other slash uh, tricks and riffs and 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 runs, and uh, I was uh, just fucking blown away. Stayed through the whole show. Anyways, this is me talking to Slash, solidly one of the greatest uh, rock guitar players ever. 
oh yeah, and his new album, Living the Dream, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, comes out tomorrow, September 21st. You can get it wherever you get music, and it's a great fucking rock record. Okay, me and Slash. Do you have any of those at Gold Tops? Actually, I just used... Well, I don't know what year that one... It's a reissue. It's a, it's a Gibson reissue, the 56. Okay, yeah. well, I used a real... F- I mean, it's just funny that you bring that up, because I... On the a, new record? A 56 on the new record. That's what that is? Yeah. Like, I knew it. Well, not every song. Like but a the, few, the, right? The opening song. Right, right, right. And you can tell, because it's brighter and... Yeah, more, man. But I just... I needed that sound, and I had that guitar. I've never recorded with it. I've had it for years. I've had it since, like, 1992 Holy or shit. something. Holy so I dragged it out and it ended up on like five or six songs. I just said to her, man, I was just listening to it in there. I'm like, the guitar sounds different. It sounds yeah. more like raw and weird, yeah, like yeah. one of these. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you did. So you recognize that. I fucking recognize it right away because I was like, what did he do? That's cool. I feel much more comfortable now. I'm talking to a guitar nerd. Right. <laughs> I, I, I wish I was more of one, but I do know, like I'm kind of a Yeah, pure. but still to be able to pick out that guitar. Well, this like was, when I got turned on to that guitar, like, like I was a Fender guy. You know, I'm like, I'm no wizard on there. I like to play straight through. I'm not not a pedal guy like that's an old 57 deluxe right there yeah which is basically what i used well not on the whole record but yeah there's a song i use the exact same model really on the, there's a song called uh hold on bear with me uh the great pretender which is like the third to last song on the record and you something. just went straight in that with a 58 uh no with a 59 les paul the 59 yeah, like a, a sunburst I'm not an effects guy either I don't do pedals I just I mean occasionally you'll have a phase for something but right um, but yeah 59 uh, was it sunburst yeah like that, yeah. yeah like uh, like Michael Bloomfield used to yeah, play yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah fuck man like a real one a, a real one yeah I've had it for years and I've only used it in one session so on this record um, that's for crazy. the most part I, I used a 58 a 59 this the the 56 gold top and then i also have this one guitar that i've had for years which is we just call it the dare guitar which yeah. is a, a a handmade a 59 replica uh-huh. that a guy named chris derrick made back in 1985 and i got a hold of it in 1986 and i used it on the first guns record and it's just one of my it's been my go-to recording guitar ever it, since and it's just the replicas from dude made it's, it's, like, yeah. exactly kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah but like, yeah, back then they didn't do reissues right so he used to make these really incredible 59 replicas and they're they're actually really valuable now so who like what you got nicotine gum yes i do Oof. yeah i just i've been on i was on lozenges for a decade and the nicotine I, lozenges you know i haven't i like i quit smoking nine years ago yeah almost 10 years ago and uh and i i went when i did it i had pneumonia i was just yeah. talking to rick nielsen about it on my way here because he just had pneumonia and pneumonia is what helped me quit smoking that and it i saw share the night before and that's when i caught the pneumonia so share <laughs> helped me quit smoking yeah anyway um so so i couldn't smoke yeah i mean i tried i yeah. couldn't breathe i just yeah. couldn't so i had two weeks on it's my what back you do try you know <laughs> you do try yeah. <laughs> yeah so so i quit and then i you know i used the patch to sort of get the edge off and i right then i started doing the snus thing the snus and yeah. i was doing that for i would years. go to sleep with it i put i, I do sleep. i still i mean i did I sleep with snus in my and then mouth. I, I, my 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 significant other yeah. talked me out yeah. of doing it and so i started doing the gum and i sleep with the gum sure i mean uh, that that i 
like I was off the lozenges just between me and you and whoever's listening to this. I've been smoking fucking cigars, right? So I've been I've been off cigarettes for the same as you, ten day, yeah. about ten years. Yeah. And then I was on the fucking lozenges for almost a, like eight years. And I would sleep with them. Then I would do snooze. And then I fucking do dip pouches. Yeah. Right. And then I got <laughs> off everything for a while. And then I just started smoking cigars. Now like two of them. Yeah. I'm a fucking junkie like that. <laughs> it's just like it's going to be my, one thing. You man. know, all things considered, it's my last real bias right so i'm sort yeah. of like i mean i i know that if i really put my mind to it i could just quit like i would with anything yeah, but it doesn't feel what, but, but i don't feel like, like like what's the reason oh she said oh you know she's like oh you know it, it can't be good for you, you know, that's blah, right blah, blah, right blah. yeah that's it's got to be that. bad for right. your blood pressure or something, something something i'm like well you know until someone reads me a scathing report <laughs> well, that, report about but isn't that fucked up about snooze so too like with the snooze didn't you think like this is safe somehow like it's well, better yeah, than and chewing and, tobacco and you weren't yeah yeah, and you weren't spitting not. into a cup and doing all that kind of stuff, but then your teeth start to get loose. And what was it? I found someone that like it, it was some other brand that was like triple strong, and I mm. just, it was like I'd get up with coffee and put one in, and I have to it, sit down for a while. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, but, yeah. So, but that's a that's um, just the nature of it, man. It is. It is. I mean, you know, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, a, 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 a musician. Yeah, who's another blues guy, and uh, he had some, you know, he's had some drugs and yeah. alcohols, and all. so he just got his his shit together, and uh, you know, so we're sitting at Jerry's Deli and we're talking about, you know, like uh, you know how hard alcohol is and how hard smack yeah. is and all this stuff. But then the one thing that we we both said about <laughs> cigarettes, man, that's 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 it, the it, tough one. Yeah, because they keep coming around; they're kind of available. Well, they, but you get Nicotine. these tr- triggers all yeah. the time; like they only last for maybe. I don't know, two seconds or something, yeah. but they're really, really potent. Right. And you could just get it watching somebody smoke on TV. I saw somebody smoking at a bus stop. And yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, happens, it happens at least once a day, and every it, day. Well, that, I think that it's rare, too, you see people smoking. Yeah. I was um, just in Chicago. Fucking everyone still smokes. They didn't uh, get the memo, man. They're just fat dudes smoking cigarettes <laughs> outside everywhere. You, the problem is, is I was a, a compulsive smoker. I chain smoked. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't handle, it's not why I quit smoking, but yeah. I couldn't handle not being able to smoke wherever I wanted. Yeah. It just really... I was in in uh, Calabasas one time. It was one of the first times I'd ever actually been there. Yeah. And I went to... I, you know, there's like the, some sort of outdoor molly kind of thing with yeah. the theater. It's like a pavilion or something. Right. And uh, and I got out of the car and I lit a cigarette and I was walking wherever we were walking to through the parking lot. And they they said, you can't smoke in here. Yeah. I said, what do you mean smoking in here? I'm fucking out here. This is out here. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, there's a rule. You can't smoke it's on a the street. Right. Yeah. And uh, I was, and, and so enough of that kind of stuff. And I started, I was smoking at gigs and I was in on tour in. In, in the UK yeah. and they told me said yeah well, the smoking band's coming I said you guys are going to have some serious problems I was in Ireland you're going to have some Ireland? Si- yeah they're going to you know they're going to riot it's not, it's not going to work <laughs> yeah and so you know didn't finish the tour and while I was while uh, came back like maybe six months later and they had passed this thing. Yeah. And there was people sitting outside all smoking their cigarettes with their cocktails. Yeah. And sitting on benches. And some hotels had put monitors outside so you could watch TV and smoke. And they just went down quietly. Wow. Everyone did. And it was like, wow. And, you know, no repercussions whatsoever. No violence. No, you 
you know, the stoning or anything? Well, I think I think it's because <laughs> there's a, a fundamental sh- shame to people who are addicted to things that they know in their heart are bad for you. Yeah. So like, you think you know, that's what it is? What are they going to really yeah. fight for? It's like, we can't we have the right to kill ourselves inside? <laughs> like, cause I think, and can we take down everybody that doesn't smoke with us? Exactly. Yeah, right, right. Right, right, because like after a certain point, you know, when you wake up and it's like, you hear your lungs, mm-hmm. but you like you said, like you had pneumonia and you tried to smoke. Like after a certain point, you know you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, all things considered, they were finding me for every cigarette. They were trying to find me for every cigarette I smoked on the stage. Like oh, the, the, the venues? Yeah. So it was like a, a hundred quid for every cigarette. And so we had to make up a bunch of stories and we got out of it. But I mean, I couldn't believe it had gotten to that point. That was part know. of the bill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's right. talk like who are those blues guys when you listen to blues guys? Because I, I have some questions. We can talk about your life a little bit, but I have guitar questions just right. for my, just because like I'm not as deep a nerd. But like when, because you have a lot of guitars, mm-hmm. you play mostly Les Pauls, yeah. right? Yeah. But do you, at the beginning... To get the tone you wanted, did you fuck with the electronics or did you just do amp and guitar shit? I've always been. Oh, okay, uh, it's a it's a deep question. All right, because when I first started, yeah, um, yeah, it was just I think I had a little Fender Princeton. It was a little Fender combo thing, and the first guitar, the electric guitar that yeah. I had was a, a, a Memphis Les Paul copy. This was, uh, I guess, it was 1980. Yeah, right. So did, did yeah. you just start playing? I just started playing. Yeah, so I was like, I started playing when I was. Uh, right around my birthday, so fourteen, going on fifteen, and mm-hmm. then so I had an acoustic guitar that I learned on, yeah, with a one string on it. So I learned all these one string riffs, <laughs> and then uh, I had this cool guitar teacher in town that uh, a guy named Robert Wolin, who was great, who uh, taught me how to put the other strings on and some other. <laughs> how cool did you find shit. the guitar teacher? He just there was a, a music school on on Fairfax and Santa Monica. Well, okay, so let's let's go back and, and get come around to this. So, but you weren't born here. I was born in, in Stoke and Trent. I was born in Hampstead, London. Right, so but you were a, a British guy. Trent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your well, mom, I'm half. My mom's American. Right. So. And, and she was in show business? Well, she's a clothes designer, and so she did all entertainers. Was so. she around? Is she around still? No, she passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Right around the time that I quit smoking. Oh, Because really? she died of lung cancer. Oh, fuck. Because she was one of those smokers that always said, I'm going to quit one day, I'm going to quit one day. And then, oh, and you had to watch that? Yeah, it was bad. And, but uh, you know what? While she was in the hospital, not to go back to this, but I was, I would literally sit with her, yeah. go outside, smoke a cigarette, come back, sit with her. And then the, the share thing happened and that's when I said, you know what? <laughs> well, <laughs> but it was, you were just at a share concert. Yeah, She's not I, personally responsible. Yeah, but I had to, I had to leave for every song and go oh, were outside you playing? and smoke. No, go oh. outside and smoke. Oh. And I, I I I think I'd worn myself down from smoking so much and Cher just took me over the top. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> Every time she she's taken a lot of people over every the time top. she revisited one of those periods, she had a closet on stage. Yeah. And she'd go in the closet and she'd come out and she'd be the Indian and yeah. she'd come out and oh, she'd really? be Oh, and she'd be the For Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves. Every or? every single yeah. thing that she's been over her, you know, ever no career. And it was I you know, when she it started with the Sonny and Cher thing, yeah. It just killed me. I couldn't take it. So I would smoke every two seconds I could. Killed you in a good way or a bad way? Bad way. <laughs> I just didn't have any fond memories of that show or any yeah. of the other stuff, you know. But, so, but your mom, uh, she did. She, she did her clothes. She, and did, she costumed entertainers. Yeah. So she did. I mean, my mom did a lot of people. Um, so, like, okay, Cher was one of them. Helen Reddy was another one. Diana Ross. Oh, that's uh, why you're at the show. David Bowie. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's not why uh, I was at the the Cher show. Why were you at the Cher show? Oh, because my my ex and her buddies yeah. wanted to go and drag me along in uh, Vegas. Oh, okay. Of all places. Yeah, right? so. 
So anyway, I, so she, yeah, so she did all these people. Um, David Bowie, Bowie John Lennon. Really? Um, I could go. This is a long list. Sylvester, remember Sylvester? Yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder, um, and she would, but get, also Flip Wilson. Oh um, yeah, like she, a lot of. He, he wore like a almost a tux on stage, yeah, something kind like of like yeah. Flip Wilson. So she was like the person. It sounds she, like yeah, she was a pretty hot. What chick was her name? Designer, Ola Hudson. And and so which do you know which period of Bowie or Lennon or was oh, it? Oh, the cool for well with with Bowie. I just saw that exhibit. Did yeah, you see no, it? she's in it. Oh yeah, her clothes. I, I imagine. Um, I mean, they have her thing of her clothes. So oh yeah, he, she did the cool period when he was the thin white Duke. The suits. oh yeah 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 the white that suits. Was, that was her thing. Oh wow yeah. yeah. So you lived in London how long? Or England? I moved to. I moved permanently to LA in 1971, I guess. 1970. Because so, I think we're like the same age. Yeah, I'm 65. I'm 63. Okay. So okay. So uh, now your real name Saul. Mm-hmm. But are you a Jew? No. 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 <laughs> you got no Jew in you. No, but I'm in the Jew- book of Jewish famous people. For, for <laughs> you know, so no. funny. Well, I thought I'd heard you're half Jew. I'm full Jew. I no. thought maybe he's half Jew, but you just got a Jew name. No, I got a Jew name. <laughs> for, you know, but I mean, if you were to ask my dad about it, he was talking about King Saul. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And so it's a different thing. It's, it's, isn't that Old Testament? Or yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm not really good with it. It's Jew. It's pretty Jew. <laughs> and your dad. Plus, all my friends are Jewish, so I'm yeah. honorary. What uh, What What did your dad do? He's a uh, album well he's a graphic designer and photographer artist but is he still around he's still around yeah. uh-huh. but uh during this time he was doing all the album covers for oh asylum records so oh, okay so like um we lived in little canyon yeah when i first moved to la that's where we lived so we were in the midst of that whole in 71 yeah oh, that's very crazy. exciting we just of, see like you know david crosby yeah, stumbling yeah, down yeah. the street well you know like and 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 joni mitchell yeah. was our like my mom did her clothes my dad did all zappa covers zappa's down the street yeah, yeah. <laughs> i used to love the swans he had this this big lake uh, who did zappa zappa his yeah. house is on the corner yeah. of laurel and woodward wilson lookout mountain oh okay and so there was a uh, the big huge tall shrubbery that yeah. surrounded the whole thing but if you peeked inside there was a lake in there and he had swans and no i kidding. was just because swans they have swans in england all uh-huh. the place so that was like my thing oh that was cool feel. it made yeah. you feel at home yeah were, now were these people coming and going when you were a kid or were, yeah. were your dad were they in that scene your folks they were we were all in that scene yeah um you, you know we were always at the troubadour and there was uh you know, like we we're talking about um, Linda Ronstadt. Right? Oh yeah. So we had all the the, the Eagles guys. Yeah, sure. Because which we I didn't know who the Eagles would, would be at the yeah, time, but yeah. they all turned out to be the Eagles. Right? It's funny. I didn't realize till recently that the Troubadour was sort of a low key trip. I mean, it, it was like kind of singer songwriter. It was the spot. Laid back. Yeah, it was. It wasn't hard rock thing. though. No, 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 no. No singer songwriter. I mean, uh, the biggest thing that happened at the Troubadour when I was a little kid was Elton John playing. Right, right. And that, everybody it, talked about. It. I didn't go, but. I everybody talked about it and that was like you know sort of a seminal LA yeah. moment talked to Walsh the other day Joe yeah yeah, yeah, man. Joe's great. It's he's another guy, just like what a like a chameleon sort of like guitar story. He's like he's always sort of at these weird junctures, giving people guitars, hanging mm-hmm. out. Joe's so. great, Joe, and he's one of my all-time favorite guitar players. I, he's probably really? not listening to this, so I'll say all kinds of nice things about him. Now, I don't know if they'll listen <laughs> to it. He's one of those guys where his kid yeah. got him over here. Yeah, like yeah his right. kid's like, you got to go do this cool thing. So I had yeah. Joe over here. You know, he's pretty fucking sober too. But, yeah, yeah, and he. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I, I know Joe very well through a lot of that. And, yeah. So you do the thing? 
Uh, I well, yeah. I mean, I I finally succumbed to that. There was a point there, and so I sur- the word is surrendered to it, and I did. I followed it to a letter. I've been sort of out of it for a long time too. Because I did. I, did. I, I got, follow it myself. In sure. My, well, you know, that's the way. If you program yeah. your brain, yeah, and you got good. I got nineteen the other day. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. August 9th. Happy birthday. Thank you, pal. <laughs> how how long are you? I have twelve years. That's good, twelve right? Years, yeah. Holy yeah. shit! No, no one would have ever predicted that. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were but, you were but, headed but, for the box. Yeah, but there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there was a point there where where um, you know it just you know the you, the glory days are gone. You cannot you can't relive do it them, anymore. and you can try. You oh, keep man. shooting for that. It's just never going to happen. But dude, when you see dudes your age like still at it, it's, I if know, they're I still know. alive. I, well, so I was at a wedding recently, yeah. and some guy who was my age, if not, I'm probably older, yeah. asked me if I wanted to do a bump. I was walking down a flight of stairs and he came up alongside me and said, yeah. hey, you want to do a bump? I said, what? Because I hadn't, it just, and he said, you know, a bump. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. But it was weird. And then, and then I had another. Uh, but, remember, a, but do you remember hearing that in like 1984? Yeah. Oh, well, it was like, normal. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was the most exciting question. Yeah, yeah. It was expected. You, it was the question you were waiting for. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to ask people. Yeah, you're right. You hold you, but you got, <laughs> We used yeah. to call you, are you William? Are you William? Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. We but, used to say, uh, you got a bindle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good so, times. Yeah. The way we, okay, so about the guitars. <laughs> no, it's, a, yeah, well, so you got here, yeah. you're living in Laurel Canyon, you're a kid, so, yeah. but, you're, but I think what's, what's interesting to me is that you know, you were immersed in a creative community. Yeah, like you, yeah. you, you come from it. There was probably never any sort of like you shouldn't do this or that. No, that you were always encouraged to kind of. There was a, well, there was also a, so a whole philosophy that that my dad had about raising kids, which mm-hmm. was to treat them as adults, right? Yeah, so I had a certain kind. Uh, I do, but he didn't come around until seven years after I was oh, born. Okay, so he's a little younger than me. So I was raised with a ton of sort of freedom, you know, sort of like. Uh, I think it was a I think it was a Spock thing at the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Treat them like adults. So yeah, yeah. So I just was sort of running around in this crazy. I mean, looking back on it, it's it you, you, it was really really cool. People were really really cool. Right. It was a different time. Yeah, really intelligent, very yeah. creative, and outside of the system, and uh-huh. just doing their thing. Um, so it was very inspired and whatnot. So it was it was good. But I had I never had any aspirations to actually become a musician. No, what were you, you thinking? Know? So I mean, like I I by like the the only real sort of natural talent that I had yeah. was drawing. Uh-huh. Right? But I and didn't, the old man I, did that so the pencils were around. Yeah, so I was yeah. always drawing and, and uh, I actually did a kid's book with Joni Mitchell that never got released. Which As was when really you were cool. a kid? Yeah, so I did the drawings and she did the poems. Do you still have a copy of it? Uh, my dad does. Oh. I don't. I don't. Oh, I think everybody wants to see that. You know, <laughs> you know, Keith Richards wrote a kid's book with his daughter. Oh, no way. He did. It's really? out. Yeah, it's. A, I can't remember what it's called but I talked to him about it at the end of the interview. I, I was just like, I, I didn't know. I was like, how's it being a grandpa? Yeah, did, did he write the the, the, yeah, yeah, he the, did. Uh, yeah, he did uh, some of the. I, I can't remember exactly. He's, got, he's one of my as, as all the musicians, at least that I know. He's my favorite. I think he's the funniest. I think he's Great. got the best fucking dry wit out of anybody. And he's so fucking yeah. smart, you know. Yeah, like, the, like I don't know how long you've known him or what your relationship is. With him, yeah. But like, but I was just a fan. Like he was my guy when I was a kid. I was like, who, who didn't oh, want to yeah, be Keith? Yeah. Like he's why I smoked. Oh no, that's he's just... why I drank Jack Daniels. Oh, okay. I mean, right? <laughs> no, but like, and I had I, my first guitar was a I mean, Telecaster. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I first met him, I was thirteen years old. Really? Was, how I, the fuck did that happen? Seymour Cassell. 
Oh, back how did you in the know day him? when they all used to go to Seymour's house. Okay, this is another story altogether. Yeah, Seymour has a son named Matt. He's yeah. got a couple of kids, but yeah. Matt was my best friend in high school. Oh, and so um, if you know anything about Seymour, we uh, Seymour. He's one of Casavetti's guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of that little team. So yeah. they were pretty hard edge. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, anyway, so it, we used to hang out there, and that's oh. why he's the one that named me Slash. That's where the name Slash oh, came from. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we used to hang why? out there. Bec- well, all right, because uh, and I didn't find this out until the '90s because he just called me Slash and yeah. it just became a nickname. Yeah. But I asked him why in the '90s. He goes, "Because you were always hustling and you were always going on a move. You never stopped to talk. You never stopped to hang out. <laughs> so it was always a whiz going by. Yeah, so yeah. he just there goes Slash. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, that's and I was it? like, "That's it. That's." <laughs> stuck <laughs> you know but so, uh so seymour used to live behind the riot house on sunset and there's house that was tucked away in this lo- end of this long driveway yeah. covered in like trees and shit right and then there's an a-frame in between and so they had some notorious weekend stuff and uh-huh. the stones would come into town that's where they would go no shit so i got to be friends at a young age with ronnie and that's how i met keith yeah and, ronnie uh, would really yeah. So they were already, yeah, okay. So friends of Seymour. So we we would go to Stone shows, and so Keith was always a hero, and he was always very bigger than life. I didn't really get to be what you call friends with him until yeah. um, after you know in the nineties. All right, so you okay? So you're here and you're drawing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then so, so then you know we went through. I mean, this is a very much hand to, hand to mouth, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Kind what of your life. old man? Yeah, but both what? of them. Really? Yeah, because there was work and then there wasn't work and then when work would come, to, right, no, right, no, right. Nine yeah, to five. That's right. Much. That's right. Anyway, so so uh, you know, so I was just doing whatever and trying to sort of fit in at school, which I had an issue with all the way up until really until I started playing guitar, and I, that was. What do you mean? Like you were just uh, out, who were you hanging out with? Like the bad kids? Or I just, just nobody. Was, I, well, I was just didn't. I never fit into yeah, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, a yeah. mainstream public school just I, there was no there maybe was no just, cor- there was no corner that I yeah. fit into, or maybe just in your skin in general. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I mean, I was okay. Yeah, you, know, you felt all things all right? considered, I was all right. I didn't have a lot yeah. of issues. You know, I was half black and yeah. half white and half British, and that was sort of weird. Did for you have an people. accent at the beginning? Yeah, back oh, then I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I think I worked worked. I made an effort to get rid of it. You know, sure. But um, you know, for everything else, I was same t- t-shirts and jeans, long yeah. hair, and all that. Um, so, but then I, I just stumbled on the guitar without even knowing that much about it. Like, yeah. I'd not, I used to get turned on to going to see bands set up at the Troub and right. Starwood and all that. And you could get stuff. in because you were so-and-so's kid. Well, no, because like, well, back then I was with my parents because that's where they were. Right, but you probably like, knew, like they all knew, the people that were involved at the Troub knew, knew yeah, you yeah, were, yeah, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a Slash. I guess, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't Slash then. Yeah. But right. But were you were uh, Saul? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then, and then uh, uh, Steve Adler I met when I, I was racing bikes. I was racing BMX at this time. Like when I was like 13. So that was your crew? That was what, and so I was going to, I was going to, be a motocross I was, sure. I was i was aspiring motocross guy and i i met steven and steven had an electric guitar at his house and uh he used to just crank it up and and bang on it and was he a to, hollywood kid no he's from fucking cleveland yeah and then he but then on top of that he was from cleveland but he moved he lived in Reseda. so was he older than you or was he, he with his about folks? the same age he's oh. like a couple months older than me um and his mom kicked him out and so he had to stay at his grandparents in west hollywood and that's yeah. when we met um and so I got turned on because he he played guitar. I thought, oh, you know that sort of kid fantasy yeah. thing. And I was at that stage where you start doing air guitar to cheap trick. Sure, and yeah. That. 
So I thought, well, I guess I'll play bass, but I didn't know anything about playing bass. Right. So I went to that music school. Yeah, other than without any strings. Well, I didn't have an instrument then. Right. So then, while I was sitting there talking to Robert, uh, the teacher, yeah, he was playing guitar and he was playing Clapton stuff, and yeah. I was like, "That's what I want to do." And he goes, "That's not bass. That's lead guitar." And right. I was, "That's what I want to do." So that's when I went and found that one string guitar. And so you never in played the bass at never, all. Never did. I do now sometimes. <laughs> sure, you know, but anyway, so that and then it was the hugest turn on. I mean, even even like a that that just playing a couple notes that actually sounded like right. something. It yeah. was just woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heavens parted and all that. Like what Clapton stuff? That was there was a uh, uh, Disraeli years. Oh yeah, that record. All right, so so you you have this uh, cathartic moment. And then you're like, I'm going to be a guitar player. Right. And, and then, then to go back to your tongue, thing, I got an electric guitar. Yeah. And the first thing I did was take that little Princeton and I had the, 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 the Les Paul copy. Right. And I got one of those MXR Distortion Pluses. Oh, those are great. The, and, yeah. The shit brown one. The yeah. Beige, it was like a yeah. puke green, yeah, yeah. yellow kind of thing. And, and that was, I think I have that one. was that moment where I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the MXR Distortion Plus. It was yeah. like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and, 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 uh, and then, you know, I started. <laughs> That, learning about what everybody's using and but how. that that specific sound that's true because like uh, you know you kind of s- ha- held that for a while it's, well that was the thing i mean i think all i've been doing ever since then is just trying to to do what it is that turned me on in the first place yeah, i mean but, there's you, right. you never perfect it so right. you're just constantly trying to you know. right. it's like drugs but like sure so you're that young and that first time you turn that mxr distortion plus on it's it's a very specific type of distortion that yeah. one yeah, right? yeah 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 and it's a little compressed it's a little com- it's a little compressed i mean when you're when you're 14 15 years yeah, old and you do it noise. it's like wow <laughs> yeah. and then you sort of you know slowly but surely graduate right. from there but the one thing about music and about guitar sounds that's different from drugs is that there are always plateaus that you can reach and it can, well, yeah, there's and a, there's it goes a, on forever. A, With drugs, you hit it one place. Usually, right. in the first couple of weeks, you started doing it, yeah. and it's all downhill. Right. Exactly, and there's no real skill set. It's yeah. not you're like you're gonna, well, you're that's not, that, that's something else altogether. But just because you said like drugs, sure, I was the like, feeling, well, the yeah. endorphin, the yeah. rush. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have to. You're not going to uh, kind of uh, evolve your your the, the way you use drugs to a degree where it's like I'm really getting creative with this. You do, but it's not taking you anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not. It's not like learning no, it's, flamenco. It's guitar yeah right no no it's not at all <laughs> you yeah. know, you, you, i think you cook it up and that's about as far as you're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> I, i've really nailed this i've taken this wherever it needs to go so so how long wait did now th- i guess the question at this point for me is that <clears throat> like in terms of natural ability versus like practicing your ass off i mean like i mean you can have a feel and stuff but how much do you do like in order for you to get from the beginning there i what 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 were you learning? What were you? How were you practicing to get to? What you um, got to? Well, I mean, I was learning. I mean, I, well, the, that guy Robert, you yeah. know, he said he was going to, you know, he's going to teach me guitar lessons, yeah. right? So you start out like you're. Probably, I don't know if you ever took piano lessons, but no, the same kind of guitar. thing, scales and yeah. this and that. And uh, you can read music? No, because no. I didn't do this for very long. Right. But I, I I gave it I gave it the college try, and I learned a lot from watching him play. And he he goes, well, if you can learn this lesson yeah. by next week. I'll teach you any song you want me to 
teacher. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. So you know, I mean, there was I was listening to Zeppelin and Sabbath yeah. and Aerosmith and Cheap Trick. And, yeah. Yeah. I had I was the Stones and Beatles and and the Who and like all those tons of records. That, that first all Aerosmith that record stuff. is underrated. It is underrated. <laughs> but you know, all things considered, I, yeah. you know what was they wrong with okay. that record is it didn't it didn't sound it was actually it didn't sound in 1973 it didn't sound as good as other records did in 1973 uh-huh. that was the that was the problem yeah songs were great what a, playing was nice great. loose yeah, yeah. Like, no really it was all awesome thing, but they yeah. just sonically i think that's what that's why they it didn't cross over like uh-huh. anyway so i can't remember what the first riff i had him teach me was but i watched him do it he put the record on and he put the guitar and he just sat there and listened to it and figured out the notes I, yeah so i thought i can do that yeah. and so i eventually left there with all due respect to to robert yeah i learned a lot of cool things I, some picking techniques scales pentatonic no no just up and down oh, picking yeah. um pentatonic stuff yeah. well just because learning those licks the, yeah. off of a record yeah that's um, where i stopped pentatonic and i'm good yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well yeah, i mean you can play blues here and then move it down too and then it's major yeah well you start yeah yeah <laughs> well see i mean you put some thought into it. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's theory behind that yeah um Anyway, so I, I quit with the lessons and I just started learning. So I was learning, you know, Keith and Mick stuff. Yeah. And Mick Taylor. And Open chords. Open chord stuff, some of it. I didn't go all the way down to, yeah. like, with with uh, with Keith, he's got a lot of, of open chord technique. Yeah. Which didn't totally interest me. Right. You know? I know more of it now than yeah. I did then. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of Mick Taylor single note lead stuff. That was yeah. a big thing. So, so uh, can't you hear me knocking? Like, is there just, like, that solo... You know, I mean, and that's all, all things. That, I never had to listen to anything. That's else. McTaylor. Yeah, and it's McTaylor. it's a uh, regular tuning. Yeah. Oh, so you you sat down. You were you were one of those guys sort of learned the leads. Yeah. So you I was, learned I was everybody's uh, learning trip. everything. Yeah. yeah. And you, you had an ear for it, and you figured it out. Yeah. Hours. Yeah. Hours. I was, I was the guitar, and I were inseparable. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to walk around with one of those little. Uh, what was it? Walkman? Uh, no, it was the before Walkman. The fucking tape deck. Oh yeah, yeah. You box, know, the, boom the, box. Yeah, it was like Panasonic. Oh yeah, the one with the handle. <laughs> yeah, and that and some cassettes that I used yeah. to steal from Tower Records. Right. And I was just and my guitar, and I was I was. You know. What was like when you started playing? What was like the the one the the guitarist that you were sort of learning? Who who was the real you know portal like it was like what what guitarist like blew you the fuck there away? was there was a few of them. Mick Taylor I yeah. named was one Jimmy Page was another old Eric Clapton was yeah. one Hendrix was one um, that was all sort of going on oh and Aerosmith I mean there was there was a, a, a Aerosmith record yeah. called Rocks yeah sure and and I Back and I, I credit them for that was the record that I identified with yeah. attitude wise yeah and so that was an important one for me I mean that that sort of set me in the direction that I ended up oh really with. yeah Rocks that did. sort of really loose drunken aggressive misfit fucking rock and roll <laughs> thing yeah yeah it's a different production too huh yeah it's 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 you can tell it was right before everything took over. Yeah. When they were still having fun with all the, you know, yeah. even Jack Douglas who produced it, yeah. somebody I know pretty well, they were all just having a good time, you know, and just yeah. decided to make the heaviest rock and roll record. And, yeah. And they did, you know, it's yeah. really bassy and muddy. And, and you're yeah. friends with those guys now? Yeah. 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 Perry's, like, he's, the, the, both of those, I think the other guy, he doesn't get enough credit. The, who, oh, the, Brad? Yeah. No, Brad's major. I mean, yeah. like, there was uh, Brad, I think Brad- Whitford? And, 
and yeah, Brad and Joe collectively were one of the, the, the best dual guitar teams. But Brad's playing was so different than Joe's in this in the it was like very much lick oriented, whereas Joe's is lick oriented too, but he had a lot of dynamic, you know, like like a, a, a sort of a, a punch here or a dive bomb there. Right. It's a whole different kind of trip. And he plays he plays in a, in his own zone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like he's he, actually he plays he's so unorthodox just the way yeah. that he plays. Um, and he he uses the same fingers everybody else does, but just the way that he fingers stuff is very different. And like, yeah. but like, what did you feel about in terms of like knowing that relationship between? Because like, you know, a relationship that Keith has with Ronnie is, is obviously it's like was meant to be. Mm. You know, Ronnie yeah. and Keith. No, it works. You know, yeah. you know, Keith and Mick. You understand why that didn't quite last, right? right? But like with Izzy, did you have that with him? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I don't know what other guys do. Still to this day, I don't know what other dual guitar. For me, it was always like, you know, I play my thing, you play your thing. And we never sat down really and worked stuff out. It was just jamming and we sort of knew what the chord changes were. We wrote something, I'd play it this way and he'd play it that way. And it just worked. Right. And and that was about as much effort as ever went into it. And so even with guitar players that I work with, like in my band or in in the Guns N' Roses, playing with Richard now, it's really, I hate to sort of sit there and studiously work out guitar harmonies or Sure. Like these sort of like yeah. perfect You're not the passages. No. <laughs> so so I think, you know, listening back to guys that came around doing the dual guitar thing way before we did, it was, it seems for the most part, the bands that I like anyway, are, it, it sounds very natural. Right. It doesn't sound thought out. Well, it's right. funny because like when you you realize that everybody's following Keith, which mm. seems like insanity, but like... <laughs> But like, but it, but, but they Keith are is always following Charlie, right? But their their relationship is is sort of like yeah, I think it goes back and forth because sometimes I've read that Charlie's sort of like watching Keith, yeah, yeah, because he might he might keep trying to get go from being behind the beat, right? You know, yeah, that yeah. can turn the whole thing around, right? Um, so there was a vocab, there was a language. Well, there. that but that's what makes a unique uh, uh, chemistry. Sure, because that doesn't necessarily other people get freaked out. Like, but, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right. adhere to that fucking lack of of commitment to structure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need a lot. I mean, but some people just get up and jam, and they can speak to each other without even. You know, just playing and yeah. sort of inherently or instinctively, sorry, go, sure. go into the thing that he expects the other guy to do. Right. And if uh, and if it doesn't happen that way, he can react accordingly. And it's just that kind of natural yeah, yeah. synergy is what makes a, a band like the Stones sure. different than another band. And also, yeah. the, I guess the players, like, it's better if they have, like, the, if they really have a voice on the thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, no, it's, it's important. I mean, well, especially for a rock and roll band where guitar is 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 the one of the main instruments yeah. of the whole thing right i mean it's the other lead instrument you know you got your bass and drums and yeah you have the, so it needs to you these guys need to be able to speak right I mean, it needs right. to be a personal right voice. it can't just be a guy who's just a, a kind of uh well here's the chorus i'm reading along yeah, right, I, right i went to i saw a philharmonic last night with john williams and you see those guys play and i mean okay we're talking about an orchestra <laughs> yeah. okay i understand why everybody <laughs> yeah. needs to cue <laughs> all right right but in a rock and roll band you've got you've got uh, you know a sort of very personal art like right. 
artist with a certain voice that needs you to have sort of, to yeah. I mean there's only four chords express three, themselves three yeah. or four chords right yeah. I mean like that's the weird thing about when you when that changed my mind about thinking about playing is that like for a long time it was three chords mm. really for the most part yeah. and and you know everybody you, you know it, it's not how fast or what you play it's if you are speaking with the thing yeah no I mean listen the 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 most important thing you know guitar players got it's it's guitar is a very competitive like everybody especially nowadays everybody's yeah. trying to be you know they've got their techniques down their speed their this their that. So it reminds me of, of X Games yeah. where it's just like how much you can wow people but yeah. really what's important is to be able to express yourself right. be able to sing or speak you know with your own voice yeah. and to be recognized as yourself right whatever that is yeah you know if even you, if it's three notes yeah, yeah. It, you know yeah. And that's really what matters is be yourself and have that translate and have it and people might pick up on it or they might not but at least you're being honest right you know? and that's what you learn from the blues guys yeah. like you know from yeah. freddie albert bb and all the king those yeah. are my my the king the three kings are my favorite blues guys. yeah so when did you when did you and adler start playing in a band Mm. That was the way we had a couple different bands. We had a yeah, um, but they weren't really full fledged bands. There was always a member missing. Yeah, yeah. and usually <laughs> it was the singer. That uh, was, yeah. So you played with him for a while. So how did Guns? I mean, I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but not to me. I was in I was in L. A. I was a doorman at the Comedy Store in 1986. But like you guys were it then, right? So when uh, did you join those cats? I started working. Uh, well, okay, like I had a, a, a group with Steven and then I had a group with Steven and Duff. Yeah, for a short amount of time, couldn't find a singer. That stuff's cleaned up too, huh? <clears throat> yeah, he got clean before I did. Uh, he's got a few a few years before yeah. I did. Um, and then I met Izzy, and Izzy had a thing with Axel, and I saw Axel with Izzy later. It's, it's hard for me to remember exactly what kind of player is Izzy. Like I, I can't seem to. Uh, like. Well, when I first met him, he yeah. was he was. Oh, fuck. What's it? I mean... He seemed more Keithy. It was... It's like Keith... Johnny Thunders. Oh, yeah, Johnny Thunders. A little bit more electric than Keith. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it definitely had a very... Like he was, I always say knee slides. It was a guy that doing power chords and knee slides, yeah, right? And it was really, it was, it was really, really cool. And then, so those guys had a band, obviously. Then I yeah. ended up, well met. Axel had a band called Hollywood Rose, and I yeah. joined up with him. Yeah. And Izzy was in it, and Izzy quit. And so Stephen again, like the first time, right? okay. And so Stephen and, and Axel and a guy named Steve Darrow, great bass player, Al, very big Alice Cooper influence. Guy. Yeah. And uh, so we had a band called Rose, and that that split up. Yeah. And so you know, so all these different things. <laughs> and happen. this is all in there. What eighty two, eighty three? No, this is like eighty four. Okay. Uh, yeah, eighty three, eighty four. Yeah. And then and then uh, Axel had uh, Hollywood Rose and and. Uh, this guy Tracy had this band called LA Guns and they LA merged Guns, yeah. and became Guns N' Roses and then Duff after working with Steve and I he was living across the street from Izzy so he ended yeah. up joining um, Holly, uh, Guns N' Roses and then Axel and I talked at one point and he goes I guess he had a falling out with Tracy so yeah. I said well I w- wanted to come back and do it so I started working in it and then the the drummer there was this gig that we were going to do we are going to do a tour up to yeah. of, of, of the Pacific Northwest because Duff is from up there and he knew all the venues right? and so when when the original drummer guy heard about this he said I'm not going I'm not going up there with you guys yeah. <laughs> why Too out of control it just it, yeah totally out of control yeah uh, it, was, it didn't it probably didn't feel stable enough for him yeah so I called Steven and Steven came in and, 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 was, uh, and you're so, like great we're all out of control and then we we <laughs> went up to do these gigs up north and uh 
the the car broke down in Bakersfield, so we hitchhiked up there, and that was really what was cemented your this band. Well, we left the van and the U, the the equipment in the U-Haul. Yeah, and we had uh, we had uh, two guys that were sort of like roadies, friends of ours. Yeah, and they were going to get the car fixed and meet us up there. They never did, so we borrowed this this band that Duff knows uh, equipment called the Fastbacks, and we did one show. Yeah. They tried to not pay us in San Francisco. No, this was in Seattle. Yeah, and then uh, we got a ride back, and we were together after that from that point on. So the car ride was the bonding experience. I guess Yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the whole experience was pretty bonkers. So when did when did when did you start uh what were you doing drug wise from then? I just, like, where I did mean, it start? Realistically, I yeah. mean, in all honesty, I yeah. was mostly booze. Yeah. I was never I wasn't a Coke guy then. I yeah. had a bad experience with Coke on my birthday trying yeah. to play after doing like a, a gram or something yeah. in my head. And from that point on I was always sort of indifferent about Right. Coke. So mostly, mostly drinking. Then I didn't get into the other stuff because the other stuff, drug of choice, is the the obvious. Dope. Right? Yeah, and that didn't happen until like nineteen eighty five, nineteen. Yeah. Right, right around when you guys were working on Appetite. Yeah, right before we got a record deal. Yeah, or not right before. But, but it, that, it seems like that. L.A. at that time because you like it's interesting. You were able to witness the sort of the intimacy of that Laurel Canyon thing, and like you know, like L.A. was a small town musically in a lot of ways mm-hmm. when you were growing up. Yeah. And even in the '80s, it seemed like if you watch that decline in Western civilization, uh, I love that movie. It's great. Yeah. But like all you, all you guys knew each other, mm. right? I yeah. mean, there there was just this battle of the bands every fucking night in this city. Yeah, I and mean, we were definitely the only five guys. In in town that yeah. could have made up that band, yeah, because you know? we we all hated pretty much what the '80s scene in LA was about because it was too like too fluffy. It was too fluffy. It was it was contrived. You know, it was totally. Um, everybody was getting the look together. Yeah. None of them had any real chops, or right. any real background, right. or had any yeah. real music history. Or so you guys were all the you were the bitter, angry we, dudes. We were, we were like, like <laughs> honor, <laughs> I guess we were a little angry, honoring yeah. the 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 rock of the the, the monsters. Yeah. The the like uh, I I think a lot of it, you know, there was just a general attitude. So that, hair metal was what you were up against. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we went in, going in, just doing our thing against. It was us against everybody else. Right. Yeah. It's so funny because I know John Daniel. Mm. Do you know John Daniel? I'm trying to think. Who he was is. a bass player in Candy. Oh, okay. And now he's a, uh, in music management. But he's Gilby. Like him and Gilby were buddies. Like oh, he, Candy. That's yeah, right. well, yeah. I remember. It's funnily enough. Gilby. We played Madame Wong's one time. Yeah. And Candy was playing, and that's how I first became aware of Gilby. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because when Gilby came into the whole thing, that's yeah. where I remembered him from. Right, from you know? Candy. From he'd like, be perfect because yeah. there was a lot of guitar players that had this sort of dyed black hair, sure. sort of Johnny Thunder, yeah, yeah. whatever kind of thing. Ryan going. Roxy. Yeah. They all <laughs> like, who was, what, what was his band? What was Ryan Roxy in? Do you uh, remember? I can't remember. I, I played with him. He was in Snake Pit for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember exactly where, where he, he came had from. Going yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But it was a similar kind of a thing. It's a certain guitar guitar player kind of look there. so when you guys come out with appetite you know you're up against all that shit is mm. a different trip right mm. and didn't it like kind of like when he first released didn't it take it like a couple years before it popped wasn't there a weird story around it well i mean it just it it's it, you know i it, it, guns was probably the the a good example of a band that nobody really wanted to see happen except for the people that were directly 
uh, involved with it. That <laughs> you guys, that us, and we had a we had a, a manager at the time and well, an A and R guy. Why didn't the they want to see it happen? Because we were just you know we were unsavory. I yes, guess. you know. I in mean, terms like of our, attitude, and we behavior. weren't playing the game yeah. the way that everybody else was doing it, and we played by our own set of rules, yeah. and we just did things our way. And so you know, granted, it was a good band. You know, it was a little risky and scary for most everybody in the industry uh-huh. so, so they thought they'd got beyond that shit well whatever they were yeah. thinking they just you know they'd show up at a rehearsal to, you know thinking because someone <laughs> said well you should sign this band yeah really great and they'd walk into rehearsal and before we were done with the song just seeing how we worked <laughs> they, were just, they were gone you know they had a lot of that kind of stuff going well, on. everyone doing their own thing drinking yeah. their own shit doing whatever. their own drugs yeah, yeah. And, and loud and, yeah. Just, and, and you know whatever it's, it's hard because I'm so close to it to get a perspective right. on what other people thought they were right. seeing right but uh, um, so when we when we finally did find a producer yeah. to to do the record, which is Mike Clink, you know we went in, we made the record. Who was it? Mike Clink. Yeah, who was a, a really great engineer yeah. that worked with Ron Nevison for years. Yeah. Um, so so we did the record, and then you know we got on to a you know opening slot with the Cult. Uh-huh. Uh, going across Canada yeah. and stuff, and it wasn't you know it didn't it it, it was it, the the record didn't explode right. in any way shape or form, and so then the label wanted to drop it you know so it took some effort on a few people's part to keep us right. signed. So it came, well, it came out in eighty seven. Came out in eighty seven, and I remember like cause we we hit we started hitting uh, nineteen eighty eight. Right, because like I read a piece like I remember I had hit the wall on drugs and I had moved back to Boston and I was living in an attic in Somerville mm. trying to get sober the first time and there was like an article in Spin like you know basically about like this album came out a while ago and no one fucking noticed it, it properly like mm. it's like this is where this should be this is the rock record of this decade kind of trip but it'd been out for almost a year yeah. right it, I mean it'd been out longer than a year I yeah. think when it finally and and they'd, they'd uh, you know I think we put out Welcome to the Jungle and it, it built up this 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 uh sort of cult kind of following yeah because you, know? you like were saviors of the rock uh, I don't know yeah we <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. definitely wasn't Bon Jovi you know? yeah so right. so yeah. So we had this core group of followers and uh-huh. stuff that we weren't totally aware of because you're on the road. Yeah. You don't really know right. what's going on, and you're just we're just having a good time being yeah. on the road and doing our thing. And uh, but then Sweet Child of Mine came out, and it, it, and it, it was a big MTV thing. And I hate to say it, but that really exploded. I yeah, mean, I, I always hated MTV, but that was that, that with him video, in his white leather suit and uh, you know, no, it was the Paradise concert? City that oh, came that. out after. Oh, okay, but uh, so Sweet Child of Mine, and we had that single, and and. and and that really blew up. You know, I, Paradise City and Rocket Queen are actually my two cuts. Yeah. Those are the cool. ones. <laughs> I don't even know why. Like you know, I like Sweet Child. I like. I, mean, well, I like the trivia record. for you. I, the the riff in Rocket Queen was actually a riff that we were doing when Duff and Stephen and I had a band. Oh, really? Road Crew at one point. That's where Rocket Queen first started. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was like I I didn't realize until I'm looking at it right now. I mean, the life of it was only like what was it? Five years of yeah. Guns. Yeah. What when I uh, when you were in the original? No, no. It started well. It started eighty. Let's say eighty-five to ninety-six or so ten, oh, eleven oh, years. Oh, you really did it. Yeah. Really. <laughs> we hung in there. Yeah. I, so after ninety-six, then there was a point there where everything sort of went south, and so I went off and started doing my own thing, and we didn't get reacquainted for twenty years. How much was it like? You know, in terms of looking back on it as like just a sober cat, like how much did did drugs shred the band? 
ultimately? I mean, I, well, I mean, it when wasn't, did you start it getting strung it, out? It wasn't the catalyst. Yeah, though. Um, I, we managed, and and the thing was, is like for me pr- professionally, yeah. when we were touring, yeah. for the most part, I didn't use. Yeah. I drank, yeah. which was always acceptable. Right. Like, but when it was when we were off the road for any extended period of time, I'd go down the black hole and I'd have yeah. to s- pull myself out of it and all that. But I think it was more. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, any kind of chemical influence is uh-huh. going to have uh, some bearing on your logic yeah. and and how you handle certain situations right. and all that kind of shit. So, I'll, you know, I can't say no, it wasn't that. But you were losing members. But there was, right? other, yeah, there was other, yeah, but like to death. No, no, to, no, to like you got to go clean up and come back, kind of shit. Um, well, that was later. There was, yeah. there was a situation with Stephen yeah. that happened, but it was a pretty irretrievable uh-huh. kind of way, you know. And we were we were trying to get him together, but he just, you know, how is he still goes. around? Yeah, yeah, he's uh-huh. still around. So he, you know, so there, there was the there was the the, the lying yeah. and all that, and it just wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, and and Stephen wasn't the kind of person that under the influence he could just show up and play. Right. Yeah. You know. So was it, it was uh, different. People yeah, had yeah, different, yeah. you know, ways couldn't of handle handling. the high. Yeah, right. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, but I'd say it was more of of uh, business management and uh-huh. shit like that that really was the catalyst uh-huh. for splitting up. Uh-huh. At least my my leaving. You know? well, oh, really? So the, un- the underlying theme was definitely that. Right about money. It wasn't necessarily about. Mo- well, yeah, it was about money for those guys. Yeah. For us, it wasn't about money, but it was also, you know, playing playing guys against each other. And I, I don't oh, want yeah. to get into all that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm you know I'm not uh, such a GNR nerd where I'm, I'm going to be like what about the you know <laughs> no, so i didn't expect <laughs> you know you, you know I, I have a broad it's, it's a it's a it's a complex and 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 ultimately very personal thing sure so we just like after a while just like you know what it's, it's not it's not worth even trying to explain to yeah anybody. but and also like i mean it's got to be hard to imagine coming from where you all came from and doing the work and then you know becoming this like you know mega million dollar touring band and recording band i mean that's got to change shit well that, that that was hard too i mean you know the, the adjustment just, oh, I'm, I'm not that guy yeah, you know yeah, so it was really it was really sort of culture shock i can't know? imagine and dude. that was hard so that that really helped where you just want to sort of bury it all and, yeah and, oh yeah like you know. i want to get back to just me in my room <laughs> i want to I ride my bike <laughs> See, again no, it's, it's <laughs> sitting in your house you don't want to go anywhere you don't yeah. want to hang out in all the places you used to hang out at yeah and you're just so you just ended up isolated in, right? isolated doing smack and yeah. just you know Ugh. And it was hard it was hard but you know i learned a lot from it and i've, I've been went through it so many times that now if i got if i what, if i get it down yeah, yeah yeah just downtime and yeah stuff. so now i'm just a complete workaholic oh that's good yeah i mean it's like you know congratulations it's hard to come back from smack uh-huh. i mean you know really Due to like you know, know. a lot of cats. I'm, I'm really actually I look back on a lot of shit that I went through and I'm just really really Oof. fortunate. Someone up there was looking out for me because I I you know I redlined so many times and I oh really come back and I'd be like in the hospital oh in the hospital yeah. sometimes on the floor with paramedics somewhere I mean all all kinds of shit oh, and really? I and it didn't it didn't freak me out so I would just keep going <laughs> right it was just sort of like this is part of it you know yeah it's, it's like smoking well, with pneumonia it's exactly it's yeah. just it's sort of like it's not it's not like a 
focused um, death wish kind of thing, but you just are not intimidated by any of the pitfalls of the shit that you're doing. You just keep doing it. If something happens to but you, but you didn't want to die. No, I had no, you know. Just, but you would just do whatever and whatever <laughs> happens happens. Occasionally, you just died sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. You never came back from being dead and, and with any sort of wisdom, or no, it just and it just it, it never irked me. It's like, well, now that how long because they they pump you full of uh, uh, no tricks on or whatever yeah. it is. It's like, well, how long before I can get high? Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're you're in, man. <laughs> yeah. Seriously committed. Yeah. The other records, like uh, the ones you did, like I listened to um, all the other solo records. I listened to Velvet Revolver, like that. You know, and Scott, that was that's a sad song, yeah. dude. Yeah. Man. I was just in a Velvet Revolver. Uh, night, night before last because we're rehearsing right now and we're yeah. going to do a Velvet song and I hadn't heard it in a while so I listened Guns I listened, is? No, no my Oh, band. your band, yeah and so put the song on and then just let it play and listen to the rest of the record yeah. from there and I was like, wow you know, and there was some cool stuff on there and, and Scott was brilliant but God, he there was somebody that there was just no coming out yeah. of coming out we thought we when we got into it we thought yeah. well shit we've been there we can rally behind right, him and get right. him through it but there was just it wasn't happening no. but he was great man yeah. such an amazing talent yeah but good that, singer but huh? that was who he was yeah so you know sort of you can't really mourn that in the way that you would normal people because you sort of death that's why how he, he was gonna you, go you that living, way. yeah you live on the edge and, and he committed happens, yeah. it's sad, it, 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 he was so good at it though yeah. that it surprised me when right. I heard that he about could it. function it shocked me no it oh, shocked at, me when something happened yeah oh well, was it a mistake an accident or well I mean it's, it's always it's usually an accident yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's called bad chemistry you know yeah and now you're lucky you're out before this fence and all shit mm. right? yeah yeah oof fuck but uh, but no, I'm, I'm just saying that you seem to be you know every, with every record you, you're you're still evolving. You're right. still doing shit you want to do. I mean, this record sounds like well, this this we did solid hard at, rock record. We did this know? at my my. I have a little studio yeah. in in the, here in LA, and uh, and it's just raw. And we had uh, this guy Elvis who is great producing it. Yeah, and we you know I said I just want to keep it stripped down. We keep trying to do a fucking stripped down record, yeah. and then something manages sort of. You know, sneak its way in. Like there. what? How does that get I, away from you, you, you on can, a production you level? You can get oh, you can get overproduced with drums. You can uh-huh. get, you can get overproduced with vocals. You but can, but it, who's like, in charge of that? How come well, no one? It's, it's just something that you you know you go in and we always do it live, yeah. right? And then and then you know you start piecing it together from there, and it's just something that can sort of happen without you oh, really I see. realizing. So it. you lay down, you do a couple, you do a master track, yeah. and then just start cutting into it. Yeah, I mean, well, no. So you, so you do a master track, and then you put the guitars on. Yeah. And everything's cool and you're doing vocals but somewhere along the along the way there can be some EQ stuff that you put on the drums yeah. that really affects the overall sound oh, right, so, right, right. and you don't really see it coming because you don't hear it on the drums and so much to yourself when you're right. soloing the drums yeah and, um, and it's also just from not wanting to to have to deal with every little thing every step of the way. You just yeah. want to play your guitar and, and f- focus on that. So right. You know what's going on with right. that. Yeah. Anyway, so so I mean, I remember when we were doing Velvet Revolver. Yeah. You know, we went in there, basically did the record the same way that I've always done records, and uh, we doing this little tiny studio down in in Hollywood, right? The place where Hendrix worked. I forgot where what it was called, but uh, so everything's going fine and. And one day I realized um, I'd left something at the studio, so I'd gone home. I came back, and I found the engineer just pro-tooling everything together, just moving everything so it's all perfect. Yeah. And I was fucking shocked. And I just didn't have the experience to know that that 
was going to be something that might happen uh-huh. because it's Pro Tools. Right? Uh-huh. I just so he know. was tightening up I the did. beauty, yeah, uh, yeah, so, the, so, the looseness. Yeah, he was losing I mean, it. yeah, just moving everything so it falls right on you know, yeah, right yeah. on the beat, and everything's perfect, and cleaning up any of the sort of nuances and just making it all. And that oh. freaked me out. I, I, and but that's what the, the way the record ended up sounding because. There was nothing I could really do about it. That uh-huh. point. I was like, "Oh, go back and you know." And then I'm one fifth of the band too, so yeah. it's like, right. Um, but so on this one, it was just like we did it in the, on a fucking sixteen track, and although we did it uh, for the first record in a while, we did do it digitally because I just didn't have the the resources to do an analog record. Yeah. But we didn't sit there and fuck with everything, right? You know? Right. And 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 that's so that's one thing I always very. Uh, you know, attentive to is to make sure that we don't start getting into tweaking stuff and making it sound too sweet. And then, and the other thing was just having a conversation with Elvis saying, we just got to keep this thing raw and fucking. Oh man, right out of the gate. So I I love it for that. First chord. It's like, oh, this is it. Well, good. (laughs) (laughs) And you got a good, you got a hit single already, right? Apparently it's doing pretty well. Driving rain. Yeah. I don't follow the, they, they tell me if there's a, if there's a, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a point that they should tell me. You know, yeah, something cool is going on. So yeah, I guess it's the the fastest charting uh, single I've had as a solo guy. I yeah, think. rock yeah. is back. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're gonna, rock is in a in a very funny way right now because this industry is just not yeah it's not a rock uh, yeah. business anymore I, it's know? hard to figure out what business it's in you I know what it's I, don't know. it's I was thinking about it's the it Ed Sheeran so, business yeah right yeah so I mean it's 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 <laughs> it's all types of top 40 that yeah. they've been putting all types of music into the top 40 filter so even country music for a minute there sounded like yeah, to, you worse. couldn't tell it was they said it's yeah. country band yeah, yeah. really yeah you know and, right. and hip hop is huge and that's all sort of going into this sort of very mainstream and it'll do what it's going to do until people are tired of it and, and but rock will always be there so sure. Gonna, and there's always going to be guys that really fucking appreciate what rock and roll is all about yeah. and doing it. You know? I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guitars selling. Everyone's buying guitars. <laughs> People love guitars. Yeah, they do. So wait, but what about that? Like the blues unit, the blues combo that you put together like the mm. blues record that you did or it's not even a record did you just tour with the blues with the, the blues ball guys? yeah that was the bass player for that band was the guy i was talking to the other day that i mentioned earlier oh yeah um that was just a you know like when after the sort of guns and roses thing i just started throwing bands together and jamming and playing on other people's records and just playing all the time i was pretty out there just doing all okay. kinds of shit and i had this one sort of offshoot band with some friends of mine called slash's blues ball which well, was I remember, really... I remember hearing it somewhere, though. And it did, was a really cool band. We you, just did a lot of covers. So there was a couple... Was there a record? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, we just went around uh, playing any place that would have us. Did you ever think about just doing a blues record? It, it You know, it's been it's come up... Uh, you know, at some point, I'm sure that'll be the thing, that'll be the statement I want to make, but right now, it's just not... Did you listen really. to that uh, Rolling Stones one? That, yeah. uh, that, bla- the, I, that was great. Dude. That was... I mean, that was so a really great good. record. It's what? actually in my car. It's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. And it, and to, to to really, you know, I mean, I, to, the way that they played it, I think you maybe with Stones records, sometimes you forget. Yeah. And so when you hear them playing all these old standards, you're like, wow. You know, you really stop and listen to how because, great they are. Well, yeah, because yeah. like you know, like that's the one, the one liability of the blues mm. is also the beauty of it, which is that any idiot can play them. Mm. So like you know, the difference between a bar band doing a Jimmy Reed cover right. and the Stones doing it is that you know the Stones are they're I, they're 
they're the fucking that's where they stones. come from that's yeah. where they come from and they're yeah. like when you hear them play it you're like now with all this wisdom experience they're a real fucking blues band yeah yeah like it's so it just blew my mind dude yeah. and don was told me he just they, you know don they, uh, yeah Don's i, I talked great. to him I love don. yeah sweet uh, but I talked to him about that record because he said they were just they would just dick around and during rehearsals and play blues numbers mm-hmm. and he had to he, he was recording them and he there was no pressure to do a blues record right. but he said you guys should listen to these that you were just dicking around with and they knocked that thing out in like three yeah, days and that's the beauty of it in this day and age where everything is you know the way things are put together for them to as the Stones who yeah. are, can obviously fly in a record right. and, and fly it in from anywhere right. and to put it sure. together they did it like the old school way yeah. and it sounds amazing and it's just it's great to hear something it's really refreshing at this, in this day and age especially I mean that would be a good record at any time but in this day and age especially to hear something sound that good that was done in a way that a band okay, that's what a rock and roll band is it's, yeah. it's guys interacting with each other and like I right. said that chemistry yeah. this co- combination of personalities musicians that come together and make a unique sound unto them Yeah, and people sort of forget that so you're going to tour with Miles yeah I'm going to tour with Miles uh, September into October then go back out with Guns in November into December it's Guns doing any are you guys working on new songs we'll see what happens let's just leave it at that are you in the studio no 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 we just got off the road and then i went straight in to do this and it went good on the road that was great dude it was it was a a miraculous couple miraculous couple years yeah i was gonna say a year and a half but it's been as of this november tour will be more than two years the people love it right it's been great man it's been i mean (laughs) you know and i was i you know i was so like you know, there was so much whatever. That, yeah. You know, the idea that that would ever happen was such a far-fetched <laughs> thing in my mind. <laughs> right. And so when it when we played, the, I guess it was the first show at the Troubadour, and from that point forward, it was just like, wow. Yeah. And the people were really there cool. for it, right? Yeah. No, the people were. I mean, I I have to say that you know, with all due respect to the '90s, it was great, but the 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 people coming to the the gun shows around the world yeah. for this thing has just been unbelievable so and also uh, you're awake for it <laughs> yeah, yeah it actually you know, <laughs> you know one of the things i haven't really figured it out yet yeah. one of the things that i noticed about it is that i've known you know axel and duff for 30 some odd years yeah. now and we played these songs a lot of these songs i played a million times some yeah. of them some of the new stuff i haven't played until just this tour but uh it's weird because it's like all seems yeah so so there is there is you know those moments on stage i'll look over and 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 <laughs> but it doesn't remind me of anything from the past right which is weird it's, so i don't have like you know those moments of like reminiscing where right. like in the middle of Welcome to the Jungle and all of a sudden I flash back to another time no it's right now it all now. seems very present oh yeah now, oh know? that's good so that's that's a trip yeah because I, w- I wanted to ask you about session stuff like because you did you worked kind of not extensively but, but a few I was doing a lot of stuff right yeah. but like a few times with Jack, Michael Jackson mm-hmm. right like like several songs and some live stuff yeah what was it like to work with him in in retrospect now that he's gone? Yeah, um, Michael was great. I mean, um, I, you know, I got that phone call from uh, Guns' tour manager or, or no manager at the time, and and uh, said, "Well, Michael Jackson's on the phone." Yeah. And do you, so I was like, "Wow!" You know, and I remember I was at the I was at the riot house and I was with some chick and yeah. the drunk blank. <laughs> And I was like, okay, the right so house like is on top of the Roxy, where is it? No, the the high. It's not the high. Oh, the, anymore, oh, the old high. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Next to the comedy yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. Next to 
Seymour Cassell's house. Oh, yeah, right, which is behind that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, uh, let me get my shit together. And he goes, well, just meet him down at the record plant at such and such a time. So yeah. later that night, I went down there, and he, and it was, it's funny, and I don't mean to name drop, but he was, he was there, and the studio was very dark, and it was him, and it was Brooke Shields, uh-huh. right? So yeah. that, for me, you know, I was like, Blue Lagoon, and I was like, it's just, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just, I'm out this, of my element. Was this for, uh, which album? This is, this was Dangerous, uh-huh. and uh, I guess it was like 92, uh-huh. yeah. 91, or I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, so we, we met, he was very nice, very cordial, yeah. and she wasn't, but <laughs> yeah. no, she was just being herself. Yeah. And then, so they took off to dinner and just left me with the track. Yeah. And just do what you want. And it was cool. It was this song called Give In To Me and I, you know, put some guitars on it and stuff and he really dug it and then he asked me to come down a couple times after that. And then we did a bunch of live performances like we did an MTV thing uh-huh. and then I played with him like in Italy one time and in Germany and then we did a video. Well, he just and, flew you out? To yeah, play, yeah, yeah. And, so I, and it was fun because... For the whole show or just the songs? I would just go out for the... Yeah. I mean, I would go for the show but yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd go up and play three songs right. or whatever. But uh, it was great working with him because he is one of the, you know, those great artists yeah. that when he would walk on stage and do his thing, and he was a real hard worker, right. sound check and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it was just- And dancing. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was saying. he get up there and start doing the choreography yeah. stuff, and one guy, and there's there's 30 other people doing the same move. Right. You could tell Michael was this naturally gifted yeah. thing that just flowed through it. So that was pretty pretty amazing wow. know, to, to be around. And, you know, all things considered, he just wanted me to be me, and he yeah. seemed to really dig that. And well, Van Halen played on Beat It, right? Yeah. Or on yeah. one of them? Be- was uh, it? it was Beat It. Yeah. Before, yeah. You friends with Eddie? Yeah. How's yeah. he doing? He's good. Okay. He's good. I actually, I don't talk to Eddie all the time. I mean, when I say friends, we've we've hung out a couple yeah. times and whatnot, but I did talk to him recently on the phone and he seemed really good. That's good. And what was this thing you did with Carol King? How was, how did that was a long time ago. Oh. Oh, actually, okay, Teddy Zigzag, who was the keyboard player, he actually was on, on the road with Guns yeah. in the 90s, but he was he was the singer keyboard player for Slash's Blues Ball. Right. He was this guy I jammed with all the time and he worked with Carol and yeah. so they asked me if I would come in and uh, I think I recorded a song with her, with her uh-huh. for what, how it happened yeah. and she was great because because she goes back to that period. Yeah, Lieber and Stoller. And yeah, like, you it, know. Well, it's just the, the whole Laurel Canyon thing. So oh, it was all oh, oh even before, I was yeah. going back to uh, her husband, Goffin. They were like brill building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but she was back in the... She knew but the folks? That, yeah. Well, I, I think she knew my mom. <laughs> uh-huh. So... So it was it was cool. It was a very you know an honor to go in and, and work with Carol on something, and then they had me come and play at the uh, Jazz Fest in New Orleans. And is that a wild like that. venue yeah. for you? People must surprise people when yeah, they right? see Slash come out. I know, I know. Yeah, it was fun though. It was a, it was a gas. And what? Tell me about this uh, the film production company. The film production company. All right. Well, I I produced a horror movie back in in uh, 2013, I guess it was, and it was one of those those. Uh, experiences where it was just fraught with problems and yeah. it was it was it was insane <laughs> uh-huh. right? yeah but we managed to pull it off and we finished the movie yeah and, you know that that would be something that either turns you on or turns you off right you can and i turned me on and so i'm still doing it and so i've got all these different things going on in different yeah. stages but i've got a couple deals that just closed oh really yeah so i don't to make talk, movies yeah so i'm not going to talk about it because i'm not going to jinx it but, but it's, it's a, going it's a slow process right but it's like nice to work a different muscle to 
started it's, well it's know. also it's something that like when I was a kid in England you know like, I was turned on to music without you know at that time it was like the fucking who and yeah. the Yardbirds and, sure. and the yeah. Kinks and stuff my dad was into all that shit and the other thing was horror movies yeah I was just naturally just oh you that was your thing yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so that stuck with me all throughout and then in, in the millennium you know the horror genre had been dumbed down to its fucking yeah. stupidest denominator yeah and I just thought I mean I, I would love to be able to get involved with trying to make something that was a little bit more story driven and character driven like what are some of your favorites uh, well right off the top of my head with the Omen yeah the original oh, yeah, Omen yeah, sure, was though, a fucking yeah. great horror right. movie it was yeah. a drama with yeah. a little fucked up twist to it yeah but it was it was just intellectual yeah, the twist him. was the kid was the antichrist. That yeah, the but twist. I mean, but it started out he was just a kid. Yeah, yeah. turns yeah. out it know. always starts out that way. But it man. was a great feature. <laughs> feature. Sure. But I mean, Night of the Living Dead when yeah, I was a kid, great, I saw yeah. that in a, sure, in a yeah. drive-in. Yeah, with my mom, that and The Exorcist, Double Bill. Oof. Right, and yeah. it was just like, God, this is the best. Yeah, and yeah. It, you know, and it, it and it was it, there was a lot of great movies that came out through the seventies and then in into the eighties. But I think. When we got into the Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth uh-huh. franchises, yeah. everything started to go in that just that, murder thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just and that's a, not you know like dumb kids going like what yeah, going yeah. there sleepaway yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah, that. whatever. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna bring back story driven. Yeah, you like I know. The, I've got, yeah. You like those Rob Zombie weirdo movies? Uh, I, I well, Rob Rob makes movies that really disturb me <laughs> because he makes he makes movies about psycho rednecks <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but his movies are great but it's a different thing than what what, what it is well, yeah it's, a, it's a kind of a riff on b movies mm-hmm. and he uses a lot of those real dudes you know yeah like, yeah, yeah. Are you great, with him? And yeah. He, yeah and he's and he's good at what he does and he does it's all his thing yeah. you know so you got to love that yeah and he succeeded at it you know, oh yeah yeah writing his own flicks and his own style and doing it you know did you play on that last alice record the last out al- no 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 wait wait I yeah I did people on no there, I yeah. did play on it I played on <laughs> yeah I did but you know when I played on it there was only a couple of us on there and oh, then yeah. it morphed into schools out uh, with with the pink fl- with the, another brick in the wall yeah thrown into it and then by the time I heard it back there was like eight or nine of us guitar but yeah, I don't right. even know which one's mine right, right right one of the cool things about Alice and knowing him for yeah. a long time is like if you want to find a, a, a rock star model to be like he's the guy yeah you know, he's so cool um and he's he, aware that it's he's, a character in a show he, well yeah but he as a yeah yeah, yeah. exactly he's yeah. pretty unaffected but you know he had to get he had to get his act cleaned up Oof, too, yeah yeah know? yeah which is where the golf thing came in which to me was always be, yeah. been very anti-rock and roll oh it gets a lot but, it's golf it's but, like conservatism yeah, and christianity it's, it took a lot it's, <laughs> it, it's, I, I accepted it with yeah. alice because i knew where it came from sure, but yeah. i always saw golf is something you should be into because that's when those guys get up early in the morning and work out fucking stealing shit from you on your contracts I, you're attorney and your managers and all them that's when they get together and work it's out your, golf work out your life you play no no, no. you do anything you physical you do like working out uh i'm not really sort of like a sports guy no, yeah i go, neither, I, I go to the gym and stuff, oh you and, do yeah you have to get some cardio going yeah to keep up with this this pace of this all right well uh, i love it man the new record sounds great good luck with the tour great talking to it's you. been great talking to you it's and, fun, I, man. and i i have to say since we're i, mean, yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot but you're fucking awesome Glow. Oh, thanks, buddy. Dude, I know that guy. Yeah, we all know that <laughs> so guy. I love it. I, I had no idea, and I have yeah. to. I have to thank Megan because she goes, "You got to watch this with me. It's really good." And I was like, "Gorgeous ladies of wrestling." Right. I, I never watched it when it was on TV. Right. But she got me into it, and I was like, "Oh man, this is great." <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It's yeah. great meeting you. Nice meeting you. 
All right, that's it. I love that guy. How can you not love that guy? Again, the record, Living the Dream, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, comes out tomorrow, September 21st. Get it wherever you get that stuff. Do I play some guitar my way? The simple way? The amateur way? After I talk to one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived? No. You know what? I don't. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!